Oh God, illumine, enlighten our minds by the power of your Holy Spirit so that as scripture is read and your word is proclaimed, our eyes may see your kingdom, our ears may hear the call of Jesus, and our hearts may know the joy of your salvation. Amen. Today's scripture reading speaks to the themes that are often encountered in the life of faith, anxiety, prayer, and trust. I'll be reading from the NRSV, the New Revised Standard Version, which calls this psalm a triumphant song of confidence. But I really like the title that the New King James Version puts on this Psalm 27. They call it an exuberant declaration of faith. So listen now for God's word for us in the 27th Psalm. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evil doers assail me to devour my flesh, my adversaries and foes, they shall stumble and fall. Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war rise up against me, yet I will be confident. One thing I, have, I ask of the Lord, that that will I seek after to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For he will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will set me high on a rock. Now my head is lifted up above my enemies all around me and I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing and make melody to the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud. Be gracious to me and answer me. Come, my heart says, seek his face. Your face, Lord, do I seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You, have, you who have been my help. Do not cast me off. Do not forsake me, O God of my salvation. If my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will take me up. Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me on a level path because of my enemies. Do not give me up to the will of my adversaries, for false witnesses have risen against me, and they are breathing out violence. I believe that I shall see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord, be strong, and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Oh Lord, may my words and may our thoughts be acceptable in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. When I went off to college, I learned some new words. <laughs> no, 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 not, not those words. 
Because you see, when I lived in Macon, Georgia, both the junior and the senior high school were all male. Not to mention, I rode the school bus, which meant every day I had some quality time at the bus stop <coughs> with an unsupervised group of teenagers. So I already had heard all those words. No, the word I, that was new for me was explicate. In my French classes, that was my main homework, to explicate poems in French, en français. Now I'm sorry to say that I didn't learn much conversational French at all. Je le regret. <laughs> But I did learn about some French poets, especially Baudelaire and some of those others. So what did we do in poetry explication? Well, to explicate something is to, to give a detailed explanation, uh, to develop the implications of something, to analyze it. And if you think about it, that's not really a bad, that's not a bad description at all of a large part of what it is to do Bible-based preaching. That is to look closely at scripture, to analyze it in order to develop the implications, the application of the Bible to our lives. Well, one Psalm scholar explicates Psalm 27 this way. Psalm 27 begins with stolid words of trust and halfway through it, it modulates through into desperate words of petition. And it closes with renewed trust and a verse of admonition to hope in the Lord. Well, that kind of described the psalm. This psalm seems to have kind of two parts. First, a song of trust. And second, a prayer for help by one falsely accused, betrayed, abandoned by family and friends. But it doesn't quite get to the application part, does it? Well, but first, first. Consider all the metaphors Psalm 27 uses for God, starting with the very first verse. The Lord is my light. Well, you know, the prophet Isaiah said, the people that walked in darkness have seen a great light. And the prophet Micah declares, when I sit in darkness, the Lord will be a light to me. And remember that Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Whoever, whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Well, in Psalm 27, God is called my light, salvation, teacher, stronghold. And then master is kind of implied in the ninth verse when the, the psalmist calls himself God's servant. Because a servant has a master. What images, what concepts, what, what comes to your mind when you think about God, Betty and I have enjoyed a, a <coughs> series of crime novels that include one hero called Virgil Flowers, who's a, uh, he's a minister's son, and in a lot of the books they say that before he went to sleep he thinks about God, but they never tell you what he, what he thinks about God. But when you think about God, does it, that old cartoon image, you know, the car, New Yorker cartoons always show God is a little old man who's fussy or whatever, or even Stephen Colbert has a fussy old man rather than, which, 
What's your image? What concepts come to you when you think about God? For some of us, one image of God that speaks to our deepest needs is that loving father who runs to greet the prodigal son. I'll borrow words from uh, James Smith, the philosopher who's written a book about being on the road with Augustine. Do you remember that story Jesus told of an ungrateful son who runs off with his premature inheritance having effectively told his father, I wish you were dead. This odd, surprising father acquiesces. Here you go, he says. I love you. The son takes his father's property and departs for a distant country, squandering it in dissolute living, ending up with nothing and nothingness. The result? Well, you, a good Jewish boy, wake up one morning and realize even the pigs are eating better than you, and you start to ask yourself questions like, what the am I doing? Who am I? Whose am I? So despondent you can't even voice it, you nonetheless wonder timidly, desperately, would my father ever take me back? By some grace inexplicable, you start on your way back home, and as you're yet again rehearsing a long speech that's three parts apology and two parts legal plea for reinstatement, you're bowled over when that father of yours comes running and gathers you up in his arms while your head's still down. And your mother tells you he walked to the end of that road every single day waiting for you. That loving father is the God's, Psalm 27 calls our light, our salvation, our teacher, our stronghold our master. Now, do you recall the one thing the psalmist asked for in the fourth verse? One thing I ask of the Lord that I may seek after, to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord, and to inquire in his temple. Now, that's not a matter of taking up residence at church. He wants to live in God's presence. He wants to behold God's beauty. The fellow I've told you about before, Rolf Jacobson, says that verse 5 paints a vivid image of the Lord's protection with metaphors of shelter, hiding place, rock. Now, hiding place and rock, they're fairly common Old Testament terms, but they're paired with that, a unique word for shelter, which in the whole Psalter is only used here as a metaphor God's protecting grace. Where well, you're reading along on all this, and then all of a sudden in verse 7, the psalmist kind of shifts gear on you into a prayer. Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud, be gracious to me and answer me. Come, my heart says, seek his face. Your face, Lord, do I seek. Do not, do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You who have been my help, do not cast me off. Do not forsake me, O God of my salvation. This is not some formal, bureaucratic, memo kind of request. No, this is raw, 
emotional, desperate pleading. And then the 10th verse says, Even, even if my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will take me up. You know who B.B. King was? He was a great guitarist. Lucille, you know, was his guitar. And a grand singer of the blues. The psalmist saying that even if mom and daddy forsake me, for me and others it calls to mind the title of one of B.B.'s songs. I don't have Lucille, so I can't sing it for you either. Nobody loves me but my mother, and she could be jiving too. <laughs> Every one of us has had to deal with losing relationships. Sometimes, sometimes it's just a matter of someone moving to another job or another town, and we, we promise to stay in touch, to visit, maybe even have lunch, but we don't. We don't. Sometimes we, we have a misunderstanding, a falling out, a conflict, harsh words are spoken, and someone that you thought you could count on wants nothing more to do with you. Psalm 27 says, even if everybody forsakes you, even your mama, God won't. The Lord will take you up. You can trust God. You can believe that you and I, we, shall see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. There are certain questions that people ask that I just have a hard time answering. Two of them are, what's your favorite Bible verse? And a variation on that, what verse or verses in the Bible speak especially to you in your deepest need, your deepest longing? Those are the kind of retreat questions sometimes. Oh, there are so many. Too many for me to choose just one. What would your answer be? John 3, 16, maybe. The 23rd Psalm, maybe. Maybe something else. Well, when I was about 12 years old or so, 6th grade or so, that kind of What's your favorite question came up so often that I, I sat down and I read and I read and I read until I decided, this is it. Psalm 27. Well, not long ago, I learned that I have a friend who reached the same conclusion, but not because his Sunday school teachers and youth fellowship leaders kept asking. You see, he was diagnosed with cancer and had to undergo more than 10 operations to stem the spread of that cancer. He lost both of his legs at age 15. He said he wondered what kind of life he would have as a person with a disability. Would he get to marry? Would he have other children? Would he ever have a career? Would he even get to keep living? during what the fifth verse of our psalm would call his time of troubles, which for him was a three-year ordeal of operation after operation. He said this 27th psalm is what sustained him. 
He wrote, in those dark days, this psalm became a favorite word of scripture, not because it denied the fears of life, but because through its powerful metaphors, war, enemies, abandonment by family, and so on, it sketched in an authentic way a picture of the terrific challenges of life. And how has life turned out for that man? He did get married. He does have children. And his career has been a blessing, not just to him and his family, but to his seminary students and to readers of his books, like me. This is one of the fatter ones, commentary on the Psalms. Before we read the 27th Psalm, I told you that one translation of the Bible calls this Psalm an exuberant declaration of faith. So let me ask you, when you declare your faith, with your words, with your attitude, with your actions. How exuberant is your declaration? How joyously unrestrained and enthusiastic are you about your faith, about the God who made us, who saves us, and who sustains us all? So before you go out to tell the story about how you live as well as what you say, wait for the Lord, be strong, and let your heart take courage. And may the Lord bless you and keep you. Lord, make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.